Alrighty, and we're back at another interview. I'm so excited for this. Well, I'm excited for all yes. of them. You really you are excited s- for all of them. Well, but it's they so are much fun. really good. They're all really yeah. good. So today we have Jen joining us. She is yeah, a home Jennifer. health. Jennifer, either way. <laughs> she is a home health PTA working out in Southern California and mm-hmm. also working for a fairly large company. So this is our first time interviewing a home health PTA that works for such a big company which has its own little changes versus what we've normally seen from the home health PTAs we've already interviewed. So it's made a nice little twist. Yeah, stay tuned because hers is her home health is set up completely different, which I've never heard before and it's really actually kind of awesome and so let's just go ahead and get into that interview with Jen. Let's go. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken and Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. All right, guys. Thank you for joining back. We have a special guest with us, Jen, Jennifer. I know you said you kind of go by <laughs> both. <laughs> Whatever first comes to mind. So I'm sure we'll use both yeah, throughout the, the episode. I figured that's why I put it right at the beginning. Say both of them. So that way, if we interchange them, people are like, are you guys still talking to the same person? But... Again, thanks so much for joining us. We're super excited to pick your brain. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. I was so excited <laughs> yes. like when you guys put it up on Instagram. I was like, oh, that would be kind of cool. Is like, this glad that the, you guys... the first time you've been on a podcast? I am. And I told my son that I was going to do it. He's like, and he's about to be eight. He's like, oh, like on Spotify? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, I'm yeah. going to tell all my friends. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cute. I love so, that. Yeah. <laughs> No, like it's it's so funny when Ken first approached me about doing a podcast. I was like, at first, I was like, no, Mm-mm. no, no way. But then it and grew on her. Then he was like, but, <laughs> and I was like, well, I do miss the time I had taken like a year off because I was healing my foot. And I was like, I do miss it. That would be a way to stay involved still. And then it kind of just trickled. And now it's, I don't know, it's weird because we've done like what? I don't know, how many episodes now? A lot. Oh, I have no That's idea. Like, and so it's it's crazy that it's just happened. But let's. Right, but anyways, we're here for yeah. Jen. <laughs> I know that's why I was like. Sign that's our, that's our that's intro okay. episode. We don't can, worry, that's we'll right. your reference back. <laughs> but let's go ahead, Jen, and let's get a little bit about background about you. How long have you been in the field? What setting did you start in? What setting are you currently in? How did you get into the field? And just a little bit more about you. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I kind of like to say I'm kind of like an older PTA. (laughs) So I didn't do this right out of high school, like did all of my classes and everything. I actually initially was not even going to go into healthcare or anything like that. So, (laughs) you know, you go to school like you do. And then I started actually working in a medical lab for the county. And so it was time to get out of the basement and start seeing people. So I had a friend who, or actually I have a friend I had, she's still here. I have a friend who has MS. She's still a friend and she's still here, but she has MS. And so she had told me about another friend, you know, going through therapy and everything of hers that was a PTA. So I was kind of trying to see what I kind of could fit in with a medical field without having to necessarily like start from square one mm-hmm. and it ended up being PTA so I applied and I got in and then so I went to Loma Linda and their program is like 18-ish months I think it is or something like the standard I was about to say that sounds um, about right 
I think ours was yeah. like 17. Yeah, somewhere in there. It was oh, kind of no? weird. Yeah. Yeah. I guess not. <laughs> Ken shaking his head no. I was like, how long was it? <laughs> uh, I was like it, 20. It was ours was like 20. 21. Okay, I don't know. Now I'm trying to remember. It was <laughs> it was kind of weird there because like so you do all your schooling and everything and you graduate in June, but you still have to do one more affiliation. Oh, okay. After you graduate. Even after be- you graduate. Oh. Well, because like you, you know, you do the ceremony. They're not going to do the ceremony in August or whatever. October, mm-hmm. September, I think, is when we finish. So they have you do all the like. Okay, you pretty much know you're going to pass the last affiliation, or hopefully you do. Yeah, so you they massively not they, screw up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, ours was opposite. Ours was, was a bold move. Like we finished in <laughs> April, but they didn't have the ceremony till like end of May, and so like half of us were like, "Do we want to go back?" Uh, my family for like, yeah. For me, it's what what ceremony are you talking about? Because I graduated during COVID and we didn't have one. Oh, you didn't have one. I was like, oh, what ceremony? They were gonna do an online one, and then people were able to wear like a filter that has them in a a cap and gown type of deal. And I I don't think anybody showed up. Maybe like one or two people. Oh, just out of curiosity, but. <laughs> Look, I'm yeah, not going to was... do an online graduation just for you to say my name. No. no. Yeah. 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 So they, but... they do all. Of... So, well, you didn't. Re- I don't know. Yeah, like, it's nice. We graduated with all the other allied health mm-hmm. uh, departments and cool. things like that. So, but the affiliation is kind of how I got my first job, which was at the SNF. So that's where so I started. You, you after. were your last one and then you kind of just went right into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pretty much just finished that affiliation. I had, they changed it now at Loma Linda where there was like a winter affiliation that was like two weeks long. Mm-hmm. So I had already done this, that same sniff at the two week mark. And then I went back and did my six week at the very end with them as well. And so then when I finished there, I just stayed on as the student applicant or student license applicant, yeah. I think is what they call it here. I'm sure it's the same there. And then, so they, you know, give you a job in hopes that again, you pass. You, that you pass. <laughs> and, yep. <laughs> so it's you so no breaking sometimes. So... It's like you already have like a job lined up and everything. You've already been practicing there as a graduate. And then you have this test. And whether you have a job or not yeah. after that test, it's, <laughs> Fine now. it's, yeah, kind, it's, of, it's kind of nerve wracking sometimes. We have a PT think... who's waiting her results today. We're supposed to find out. And so she's been practicing kind of as a student license students but yeah we're like oh so we were all sharing our our reminiscing in the clinic today about (laughs) that day of finding out yeah exactly you're like did did my life just change for (laughs) the worst today (laughs) you're like well i have a paycheck next week yeah we so we have i'm sure you guys do because every state has to have the law exam or is that part of your guys's exam Ours is a lot easier than yours. So from what I've heard from California, you can tell me I'm wrong. But when I looked into it, you guys have to go in and actually take it. Ours <laughs> yeah, is, we do. Here's a, with your application. Ours is a take-home quiz. Take-home quiz and just send it back. Uh, I, yeah. I want to say that I think from what I remember, actually, the, the people, the things that were stumping people more was that law exam than it was actually the license exam. So I knew more people who failed the law exam. 
because it was like i think it was 20 questions or so so if you like miss two you're yeah. gone well good it's luck just a bunch of like again. codes isn't it like just yeah like codes and numbers and laws and like here's the law what subsection article paragraph word letter is this yeah, yeah and it's i like remember like 407.18 a i'm like are you serious like this That's is what okay. people have to know stuff we never i i went over it and i'm like i don't remember i don't remember studying any of this stuff so yeah i was actually more excited i passed that because i was really worried versus the the, the actual exam, exam. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though like it, certain ones you're like oh okay i got through that yeah, I'm like, thank God I never have to do yeah, that again. Yeah. So, I was about to say, uh, do you come out of your actual license and think like, oh, I got that one, yeah. And then you went through the law exam and you're like, oh, no, I, I definitely failed that one. That's, that's exactly, yeah. I was like, okay, this wasn't the license exam. wasn't. I didn't feel like it was too bad. I know that a lot of people did, but I don't know if it was the way that I studied, but I had a CI who had just basically been like, because I was just kind of sort of, reading through the notes, reading through books, and he's like, no, just take exams. Just take mm-hmm. exam after exam. Just find as many practice just tests practice. as you possibly can. And really, that was, I think, the, at least for me and my learning style, that worked the best for me. That was my yeah. way of kind of doing it, too. Maybe look over big contraindications of things. And then mm-hmm. other than that, it was just a lot of getting used to the way the wording was and not over-reading questions. So yeah. 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 So, so the first place yeah. you went was so the affiliate that you had for your last rotation. That was the same clinic you started working as a PTA. Yep. That was so. That was so. I stayed on there, and they had they were kind of known for kind of keeping some of their students that they had had already, anyway. So that was kind of how they did the hiring process a little as well. So then, so I stayed there, and then I stayed there for about another eight months. But I started as per diem. And so that's kind of like another thing, too, is like, oh, I should start probably kind of looking for a full time job with being in the SNF. It was awesome. Most of the time you're full. You have patients. They, you know, have more patients. They have you doing overtime, different things like that. But it's kind of like feast or famine. So you want that steady. <laughs> like, OK, I something consistent. Yeah. 40 hours a week. Type Did thing. you? Like when they asked where you like your preferences and where you wanted to go, did you want to go to a SNF? Like when I was doing this for the school rotations Mm -hmm. to be able to go into that. Yeah. So we got to kind of pick. They did kind of like a lottery. So they kind of put you one through Mm -hmm. however many of us there were. And then you're like, okay, the rotation. And then I think the next rotation when you did, it was like you would pick in a different order. So I did pick wanting to go there to SNF. To SNF. Yeah, I kind of so, knew I didn't want to do outpatient ever. <laughs> so for mine, it was outpatient, outpatient, outpatient. No, did you and, have neuro? Well, they were just all outpatient. I oh. did have neuro. Well, like that was my preference when they asked, like, hey, like, what setting do you want to go into? And I just put outpatient, outpatient, outpatient. So the first one, I had the neuro outpatient. And just during COVID, so slots were super limited on where people could go. And I had like a whole bunch of friends wanting to go to a hospital setting. And my second rotation, I got put in acute care. And I'm like, excuse me, I do not want to go to acute. But it actually wasn't too bad. So I just wondered if you wanted to go to a SNF or if you just got placed into it. 
Well, and the other thing, there was once one requirement of us when we were there, I don't know if it's still the same way, is that we did have to do a rotation through like an inpatient and we had to do a rotation through an outpatient and then we got to pick one. So one that was just on our own. So it it didn't matter. I was going to go to, I had to go to outpatient even though I didn't want to. And that's where I, I found the unicorn that we... (laughs) That we kind of touched on. Touched on. That was uh, the best unicorn. (laughs) This was seven years ago. I don't know if it's still the same way. But yeah, that, you know, one patient at a time, 30 minute slots. If they didn't show up, then you just sort of sit there, chart time, nap. Yeah, that's a foreign concept to us. But unfortunately, I think PTAs don't work at that clinic anymore. So I think they had just sort of phased that out after I had left as well, too. Sorry, I ruined it for everyone. But no. <laughs> well, I think the thing is, is like, it's I was like, hey, you found earlier. the unicorn, but nobody else can have it. Yeah. yeah and the exactly. thing, too, is like, I was wondering how were they paying for that? If, honestly. Yeah. So it's they seemed, actually, seemed so tough. yeah, they don't have PTAs there anymore. And so then. So close, right? Guys. So I never knew. So close, but now. So then I knew. So I stayed in the stiff, which actually prepared me very well for going into home health. Which mm-hmm. after I was at the sniff for the eight months or so per diem, I didn't know that I was going to home health when I applied. Oh, uh, oh, you didn't even. No. Okay. Did you think um, it was like another? You just like a pl- So I had been looking at working for Kaiser here in Southern California. Because, well, they pay well, they got good benefits, job security, all the things there. So I and I had done my rotation a rotation through Kaiser. And so I was like, OK, you know, when that comes up, I really want to apply for it. So it came up and I'm like, oh, great. A, a PTA position with Kaiser came up. So I jumped on it and applied for it. Well, I didn't like read through the whole application in the way that their applications go. It tells you all the good stuff at the top and at the very bottom at the, there's like the, the fine print at the bottom is where and the hours and the days and all that kind of stuff. You know, the things that happen on a daily, (laughs) you know, like how much you get paid, all the things that, you you know, you would want to know. I was just so excited that it was just like a PTA position. Cool. Yeah, because they don't really come up too often with them. So I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to apply for that. So I applied for it. And when I got to call, they were like, oh, for home health. And I'm like, all right, well, excuse me. (laughs) Well, I don't think a lot of people know Kaiser's big out there. And it's one of those things. Once you're in, you're in. It's it's hard to get into, but once you're kind of in their system, like you said, the benefits are really good. They pay really well. They're really, really large. So the chances of them really kind of going under are not very high. So you got that job security. So like, right. I, I, I totally understand what you mean by like, hey, I saw it. I'm going for it because they don't come up easily with mm-hmm. that big company. <laughs> no, but they doing don't. The same thing with nursing right now. He's like, I'm just trying to get a travel job with Kaiser so I can get in the system and then I can get like an actual full-time job with them. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah. That's about what I, you know, I think again, kind of luck a little bit. So I I did the interview and I, I, there's a couple of things I think that went my way working for Kaiser in the place that I'm at is they like you to live in the areas that you're working. So I work Riverside County, so I'm going to work. So I live here in Riverside County. So I just sort of lived in the right 
area because we do start at home. So I start at home, so I'm already kind of in the field. And then I go out from my house to see the patients from here. So I think getting the position helped that I was in the right geographical area. Yeah. So, yeah, where I was, yeah, living at the time. I'm still living here. It's the same place. (laughs) So So with that being uh, a bigger company, like – we hear home health all the time. It's like, oh, you got to kind of pick your schedule. You get to pick multiple home health agencies. You kind of adjust, you know, who you're seeing on what day. You're really in charge of your own schedule. But being with a bigger company where they're kind of wanting set hours, it sounds like, how did that work? Does it still kind of follow the normal guidelines or is it a little different? No. So we definitely are not as flexible as your typical home health company that a lot of people think about. I didn't know any different. So I'm not coming from somewhere that had that flexibility. So yeah, we are at 8.30 to 5-ish. 8.30 to when you get done. (laughs) Whenever you finish. Like she just told me she Um, just finished her last note before she jumped on. So a little later than it. A little later. But it just kind of went, you know, part of it is the driving and different things like that. But yeah, so we're typically an 8 to 5 job. We have a scheduler who gives us our schedules. We're meant to see our acuity is 5. So... For the PTAs, that's just, it's a a one, like one follow-up is a one. So we're typically Mm -hmm. supposed to see four or five patients depending on drive time. Okay. So that we have either the acuity of four with a lot of drive time, five in the same-ish city. So yeah, so we don't have a lot of flexibility in terms of like, oh, okay, well, I want to get off a little early today, so I'm just going to stack my schedule tomorrow. And it doesn't really work that way. So do they... they Oh, sorry. I was about to say, do they set them up based off of like, hey, you're going to one, two, three, four, five, like based off of a circle around or? So no, we do. We do get that flexibility. So I'll get my schedule the night before the afternoon before. So the scheduler will just put on my patients for tomorrow and she'll say, here you go. Set them up. Get them done between 830 and five. So tomorrow. So tomorrow I have four. Because I'm doing a lot of drive time If for anybody. It's like, how many cities? I'm going to th- three different cities, but I'll probably be driving at least two hours tomorrow, mm-hmm. depending Gee. on uh, Total, traffic. Right? Not, not like 91? Per... Total. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No 91 for me. Oh, <laughs> you I said, try mm-hmm. to stay off of that. Oh, man, mm-hmm. let me tell you. I would rather go to Palm Springs than go to Corona <laughs> from where I am. <laughs> That's how Dude, bad it it's is. So bad. Yeah, it's so bad it is. Right it is horrible. I'm only 20 miles from Corona, and I am probably 40 miles from Palm Springs. We do do that area, but the traffic's so much better. I would I'd drive to to Palm Springs any day. So, yeah. but I do a lot on understand the traffic. Yeah, <laughs> this is all foreign to me. I just hear names. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. That, that, that they, sounds far. Well, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, when I moved out here, they're like, oh, traffic can get really bad. And I'm like, oh, what's traffic? And they're like, oh, you'll slow down to like 20, 20 miles per an hour. And I'm like, traffic is until you sit there for 20 mi- tw- twenty minutes. Like, if you're not sitting on the freeway, you ain't in traffic. If it's still moving, you're good. <laughs> yeah, for me, 20 so minutes I- is too far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am 20 miles from our office right now that we have. And it it can take me 45 minutes to an hour to go 20 miles from in mm-hmm. the morning 
from my house to the office. So I don't go to the office very often. So they very rarely see me there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Only that short, though. I was thinking like maybe they had like one corporate office that was even farther away. So that's, I guess, good. Yeah, so they they have the one main office that we have for home health, but typically we just start from home and end at home. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go in there. For your patients, do you have to call and confirm all of them? Yeah, so I do call okay, and confirm. So, you still have so they to do give all me that. Yeah, so they give me my four patients and they say just get it done. So typically the way I set my patients up is I'll start with my furthest out and work my way home. Makes because sense. you don't want to end up being like an hour away and then you're like, oh, now I got to drive home still. So, okay. yeah. So I'll, I'll typically start like tomorrow, my first one, which I know probably from almost everybody, but most is about 50 minutes for me in Temecula. So I'm at the mm-hmm. very top end of Riverside County. Temecula is more on the south end of the county. So it's about 50 minutes to an hour. And then I'll just work my way up through Hemet back to Moreno Valley at that point. So... Hopefully with that. Yeah, there's like a smaller, <laughs> not on the 91. <laughs> or the 15? Um, actually, I don't have to. I will be on the 15 for a half a second down in Temecula, but then after that, I'll go up the 79. <laughs> so, um, by the way, this happens all the time with California people. Ken, this is literally what our conversations are like. You like there's it's about, there's, so, there's so many ways. numbers, and we're like, yeah. It's all horrible like traffic. Three, and that's it. Yeah, there's three freebies out here, the 15, 215, and the 95. They don't know what to do with anything else. <laughs> well, with the with the traffic there, like, okay, so they give you your four patients, and I'm hoping they understand that there can be a lot of traffic at times. Like, what if you don't hit that last patient in time or, like, hey, I'm stuck in traffic for a little bit longer. I'm going to have to reschedule my fourth patient. Does that happen often or no? Or no? No, it almost doesn't ever. And if it does, then you just say, hey, can I have some OT to finish up my day? Which it rarely, it's not that in terms of like going way over. So five, typically, like if I was just in Moreno Valley, like one city, then I'd see five patients. But because I'm doing all that drive time, they're giving me that extra hour-ish or so that I'd be seeing a patient to do the drive. So do you plan on like being maybe a little bit later because of traffic and then if you show up early do you just get those patients done a little early see if they'll start? Yeah so I I guess because I've been doing it as long as I have I have been so I just kind of map it out so I'm like okay it's going to take me 45 minutes from my house to the first patient. So I usually give patients like an hour-ish window. So I'll say, okay, I'll call them up and be like, hey, I'm going to be there sometime between 10 and 11. And so I'm just trying to make it there sometime between 10 and 11. I have an idea that I might be there about 1030. But they don't. But if I'm 15 minutes early or 15 minutes late, they don't know that I'm early or late. Yeah. And then I'll be like, okay, from my first patient to my second patient, it should take me uh, roughly 20 minutes. There's usually traffic around this time. So I'll say maybe 25 minutes and then I'll be like, okay, I'm still projected to be there at noon. I'll say, hey, I'll be there sometime between 1130 and 1230. And then, but I have my like, I'm always racing the clock is what I I always tell myself. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm projected to be here at noon. I'm going to try to be there at 1145. So mm-hmm. you're always just trying to like, you know, just stay ahead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're not in trailing behind. 
when you fall behind, then you're charged until six o'clock at night. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, yes, that kind of happened today a little. Oh, well, I was in a cleaning up from yesterday and everything. <laughs> but at the same, like, because of all the drive time and everything, at the end of the day, I do have to give back some time because I don't necessarily have to say you have to minus some time here and there because they typically don't pay you for your drive time to mm-hmm. the office and back to the office. But so since I'm starting at home, I do have to give back a little bit of time at the end of the day, especially because, you know, I would typically be driving home at that time, but I'm already home. So like the time I would have, I'm already driving home, I would have been charting. So it's just kind of reversed if that makes yeah. any kind of sense. No, that makes yeah. sense. It's like if you leave the office at four, but your day doesn't end till five, if you get home, you got to do a little extra. Right. I, then you've got to do a little extra from that four to five that you would have been working, but you're not because you're you're driving really yourself. driving home. Yeah. yeah. So sense. do you um, try to do most of your charting while you're with the patients? So, yeah. So that's typically what is wanted of us. Before COVID, we used to chart in the patient's house. So we do our typical treatment. And then at the end, we'd sit there and we'd finish our note and then we'd leave and everything would be done, which is good and bad in its ways. <laughs> I talk too much, and so I end up, like, in awkward silences give me anxiety. So I'm sitting there with a patient. I can't just be sitting there charting and finishing and doing my work and all the things. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. It is. I'm going to go to your dining room table real quick, and i got to do some notes. So Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so that would always make me very anxious. And so I would sit there, and I'd be like, Oh, you know, oh, so how long have you guys lived here? What did you used to do for a job? You know, you do all things and you're not, so you're half charting and half not. And so it just would be. So the one um, sentence would take five minutes. <laughs> yeah, because you're just trying to figure out what, what, and if it, if anybody's ever seen Kaiser charting, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't take, <laughs> it's not short by any means. So then COVID happened and they decided it's like basically get in and get out don't be around people any longer than you have to be so then mm-hmm. chart at the end you know in your car after some people would take it home but for me I don't I always try to do like in my car right after I see the patient because when I come home then I'm like I don't I don't my mind is not on that I'm like I don't oh, want to do it you know you already checked yeah. out yeah so the, you have to like glue me to the chair to be able to sit there and finish it because it's just <laughs> not I'm like bouncing around and I'm like just yeah it just <laughs> not Life. happening so yeah exactly. it's not fun i know like um, my mom did home health for a little bit it was was it post-covid pre oh man i don't remember now but they had like a location like when she got there it would start she would start like a clock in time and then they'd have to sign in and then they'd have to finish their notes before leaving that location it was, it was a interesting system that they had down. So at least you get OT. Like, it's all no. part of the, your travel time and treating time and all that kind of stuff. You got to clock it in. For your I think that's a little different like with Kaiser because we are hourly versus per visit. You're going to ask different. that. That was one of my questions. Yeah. So we are we are hourly versus per visit. So which is good and bad. The good part is, you know, it's like if you're having a slow week, which very rarely, but during COVID, especially, we weren't getting a lot of referrals and things like that. So we were still 
getting our hourly pay. And also because we work for a union, we also had, they had to find something for us to do. They couldn't be like, yeah, you get 40 hours a week, whether they have the work for you or not. Mm -hmm. I don't, in seven years, the only time was not that we didn't really have, like it was kind of getting slow was during COVID. And it was because we weren't really picking up patients at the time. The referrals that were coming in were a little slower and things like that. So at that time, because of the hourly and because of the union, I was sitting out, I think I did it maybe three times. I was a runner at the pharmacy. So they didn't want people going into the pharmacy during COVID. So they would have them drive up. And so they needed something for us to do. So we would sit out there. <laughs> you just, just literally wait. hand them. Wow. The... <laughs> yeah. So they would be like, so-and-so's prescription is done. And so you'd run in and you grab it and you bring it out to their car. And then they, so I think I did it three or four times during, during COVID. I mean, no, like that's pace. not bad. At least you still got something. <laughs> I got paid. I still got paid. Yeah, I got true. to do something different, which, you know, some Sometimes you get burnt out of patient mm-hmm. care. And so you're like, I'll take just sitting here and hanging out and not thinking, you know, not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no documentation. There was no overtime because I <laughs> 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 did never have to finish any of that kind of stuff. So but typically they keep us they keep us busy. There's so we have like our core PTs and there's now we're up to four PTAs. When I first started home health, there was one PTA. He was hired in October and I was hired in February. So, okay. and that was seven years ago. So since then they've added two more. So there's four of us total of the PTAs. And, and how many kinda, PTs are there? Sorry. I think there's 15 or 17, somewhere in there. Do you get assigned your PT? Mm-hmm. Like you're only going to see this PT's patients or is it just kind of. No, it's kind of draw? sort of a free for all. What, what's available. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah. So we basically what will happen is the scheduler, which I've learned recently how to do scheduling, which is a whole nother thing that I would never wish on anybody <laughs> because it is very difficult, very difficult. This this moving puzzle of patients coming in and out. And for us, we actually do use a lot of outsource companies as well because we just don't have enough of us to be able to keep the volume that comes out of the hospital. Our core patients that we have are ortho patients or surgery, joint replacements, knees and hips mostly. But yeah, so the scheduler will look at it and they'll be like, okay, I have, especially with the orthos, we'll know ahead of time, okay, I've got 10 surgeries tomorrow, so I'm going to need probably five PTs to do a start of care the way that Riverside does it is they like to have if the patient comes out early enough a PT will go see them that afternoon after their joint replacement so they'll come home at two o'clock in the afternoon and a PT standing on their doorstep at three o'clock after surgery <laughs> knock on the door Sorry, we're like here help. let me help you in Nothing. actually oh you're getting out of your car we're gonna start some, this assessment that's now. some of them exactly they're they basically are waiting outside their door when they get home <laughs> from their surgery which you know is that's a whole nother that, it's crazy i my dad had his hip replaced three years ago and so i was on the flip side of that and they're calling and i'm like we're still in the car <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to lie. I've had ortho surgeries, like plenty of them, where it's just in and out. And if someone showed up on my doorstep, like, 
an hour, two hours after. after, I would have been like, hell no, I'm taking a nap. Like, not Get- yet. No. I'm not even, like, the drugs aren't even wore off. I've still got the good stuff in my system. Like, yeah, I'm napping. Yeah, so <laughs> they go and do their start of care. And then so all the ones that we don't, yeah, that don't get seen, then they'll get pushed to the next day and they'll see them that day. But they'll say, okay, so we need these start of care. So then they'll take, we have late therapists who will go and see those patients. So they start at, we have like one that starts at 10, 1030 noon, and we'll go to like eight o'clock at night. That's kind of their mm. shift to be able to catch those surgeries. So they'll just grab follow-ups from them and be like, okay, now I need to make some room. So the PTAs will now see these follow-ups and to make the room for the PTs. Um, and then do you to have to worry them. about any of like the 21 days or the seven days, like all the reval stuff? Like, do they keep track of that for you? Um, so I think with us, it's 30 days. Or 30 days. I forget how it goes. That the PT has to see them, but I'll tell you one thing: we don't we don't keep patients long enough for even to worry about that. Yeah, if there's a reason, if there's a research on a patient, there's there's, there's a problem going on. <laughs> yeah. So you you guys really try to keep those ones that you're transitioning from the hospital, home health to outpatient, really. Right. So we okay. like to try to be the bridge between the hospital and outpatient with surgeries for sure. They're on a timeline; like they're yeah. told from basically day one. And it's kind of a luxury because I think that some patients who have joint replacements in other company or like other insurances, they go to outpatient. They don't even get home health. But we do home health for a week and a half to two weeks, depending on the patient. So usually it's like, yeah, just about two weeks we do knees and hips at home. And then, then so we transition them to outpatient. That could be I'm nice. Assuming you three days a week. Like, they're not there long. <laughs> yeah. So the first week, if we see them post-op day zero, They'll get three visits that week. If we see them post-op day one, they'll get two visits. So typically, we do two visits a week. Be- and because we don't have enough therapists, we don't do intensive PT. We'll actually outsource that out to a company who will do intensive. So we don't do every day. If you need every day, then either you'll go to another agency or you should have gone to a SNF. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, with us, though, we typically, we will do three days a week if we need to, but it's typically twice a week that we see most of our patients. Makes sense. So. Well, I have quite a doozy of a question, just because you guys have quite the squad over there with your so many PTs, and <laughs> it's kind of a luck of the draw on who you get. So we just, our last episode was about, like, communication and, like, communication strategies mm-hmm. and what to do. Like, what do you do to communicate with the other PTs? Like, do you guys have a software you guys do everything? Is it just like a, oh, just look at the previous note and whatever comes up? Like, what if a patient's having a problem? Like, do you have to contact that PT directly? Like, how does that whole process work? Okay, so typically, if there's not really any problem, it's a pretty straightforward case. We'll look at the plan of care that was set up by the starter care therapist. And then we'll look at the previous note, whether it's a PT or PTA, to kind of see where we're going with that. And then in each of our notes, we do have to do a case communication to the case manager PT in that area. Um, So that way, when they come back and if joint commission or anybody comes back or the state looks at it, says, okay, well, who did you give all of this information to? They can look back in our notes and say, we've sent this case communication to this PT. We do have teams that we use for most of our case communication if there's any problems in terms of like 
patient information. We can't do it over text message because it's not secure, apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they want us HIPAA. So we use Teams for everything with that. And then I think that with our, and I know that's not like this with everywhere, but I think that with the the people that we have right now, we all know each other well enough that we just call each other. So the PTs that I work with, like if there's a problem or anything, or if there's any issues, I always just call them after the visit. I'm like, hey, this is what happened. This is how everything went. What do you think? And so... I have no problem. I, I work with typically the same because they try to kind of keep us in the same area. So I kind of work with the same PTs. So we know each other well enough that we can just, I'll just call them up. If I'm in a visit, I'm like, hey, this is what's going on. One of the nice things with working with Kaiser is if there's any problems medically, we can actually get a hold of what we have a virtual medical center. Hmm. And so we can have access yeah. to a doctor. Say this patient's blood pressure is... Pink. something crazy <laughs> you know like, yeah, yeah or yeah either right. way 170 over 100 or something and you're like oh what should i do you know this patient says they're not taking their their high blood pressure medication or they're only taking one tablet of it or whatever it is that they're doing but we're like okay do i want to send this person in you know at that point are you calling 911 for 170 over 100 you know yeah but you're not that's you don't just want the to hard either because then you could be liable right yeah. but then you don't want to have and then you're like you know do you, at this point do you, you just message their primary doctor so they introduced within the last few years i don't remember exactly when so we can now message a on-call doctor who can get back to us and actually give us instruction of what we need to do in the real time versus waiting for a primary doctor to get back to That's us cool. two days later or something like that. I like that definitely um, helps kind of relieve some stress because then you're like trying to figure out what to do. And that's like, hey, the doctor just kind of gave me what to do. And I just followed the doctor's instructions. Like, right. And then you just write it, write a note. We have a smart phrase. We have a whole thing that just says that we've talked to who we talked to, when we talked to them, all the orders that came through. And then you just... That way, the liability kind of just goes on and you covered what you needed to do mm-hmm. for that patient. Because it's not necessarily like a 911 emergency, but it's not not an emergency. That makes yeah. sense. It's an urgent care. <laughs> it's an urgent. <laughs> urgent, but not it's urgent. It's an urgent care. <laughs> right. But like so, the- and then we have really good, like we can get a hold of our ortho, like with the joint replacements and everything access to a nurse coordinator, an on-call PA, sometimes the actual orthosurgeon if we need to and everything like that. So we have a lot of access so that we are able to do everything we need to right then in the field. That's awesome because like That's I was, awesome. Yeah. prior you bring that up, that was my big thing is like, how do you deal with like these all of a sudden status changes? You know, you're going in for a hip replacement and the patient's like, oh yeah, I completely fell down the stairs and I'm bruised and I've got this open wound again now. And you're like, ah, crap. I'm like, why yeah. were you going up the stairs? So... <laughs> well, hey. yeah, there you go, number one. No, no. Yeah, just hold on, from the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put that on hold. But, why were you near? Like, number one precaution was not to fall, but here we are. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I don't remember where we were going after but like all the data there. So, so no, you're good. Oh, we have. Yeah. Yeah. So like, do you we have just good access supervising? 
PT for that? So yeah, so then I can reach out to the supervising PT, but a lot of times you kind of make those calls in the moment as well. So you're like, you don't go, oh, hey, I'm going to call the doctor. You say, hey, I called the doctor while I was there. And they're like, okay, you know, and you just give them, I give them the update of everything that had happened during (laughs) Mm -hmm. that visit. So, and then same with like, say I go to a patient and there's a new wound because we don't do we the the extent of our wound care is addressing change with the joint replacements we'll take off their bandage put it on that's it same with the PTs the most they do is staple removal with them but any kind of pressure ulcers anything like that they will I'll just call a nurse I need the nurse to come in and see this patient and so they're really good about like the next day all of a sudden a nurse is there and that just about wraps up part one of our interview with Jen. So be sure to like, subscribe, do all the things. Check out our socials. We'll leave links down in the description below. And we'll catch you guys next week for part two of our interview with Jen. The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.